what a welcome. I'm, I'm filling up here. That's <laughs> great. It's great to be here this morning. Uh, I'm so excited to be speaking to you. And don't you all look great this morning? You look amazing. I love, I love being part of this church. You know, you're fantastic. Hear that this morning. You guys are amazing. So it's good. This morning we're going to be carrying on our series in Mark. For the last few months we've been working through the book of Mark. We've heard some great stories, haven't we? We've had some great sermons and it's been fantastic. Today we're stopping on Mark chapter 7. So get your Bibles out and find Mark chapter 7. <laughs> don't worry if you don't have your Bible because it's going to come on the screen behind me, so don't worry about that. But we're going to be reading from verses 1 uh, to 23. All right. <laughs> so we've been working through the book of Mark for a couple of months now. And uh, it's been really great. We've heard some great stories. We've had a great uh, understanding of Jesus' life, haven't we? We've had a bit of a background to Jesus' life and some of the amazing things he's done. And the good thing about working through a book like this, chapter by chapter, is you get every last little detail out of the book, don't you? You get to squeeze out as much as you can out of the verses, and that's great to hear. So this morning, hopefully, will be no different. We're going to squeeze as much as we can out of Mark chapter 7. All right? So... The point we're at within the book of Mark now is we've seen Jesus performing some miracles. A couple of weeks ago, um, we heard a story of Jesus feeding 5,000, which was great. And last week, Paul spoke fantastically about Jesus walking on water. So we've heard about some of Jesus' great miracles. Today, we're reaching a point in the story where Jesus starts to get a little bit of uh, challenging and he, he starts to get a little bit of, uh, a bit of persecution from the Jewish church and the leaders of the Jewish church. So that's where we're going to read from today. Let's read, shall we, eh? Okay. So, from chapter 7, verse 1. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand-washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law asked him, Why don't your disciples follow this age-old tradition? They eat first without performing the hand-washing ceremony. Jesus replied, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, These people honour me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commandments from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. You skillfully sidestep God's law uh, in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honour your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of his father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for you people to say to their parents, Sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give God what I would have given you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you, for you are defiled by what comes out of your heart. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he just read. Don't you understand it either? Can't you see that the food you put into your body can't defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. 
By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. For from within, of a, from within a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immortality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, every slander, pride and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. Whoa, telling off from Jesus, sir. There is nothing worse than that, I tell you. <laughs> so, let's pray, shall we? Yeah, Lord Jesus, I pray this morning you'll just come and speak to us, Lord. I pray you'll open our hearts this morning to hear from you about this passage, Lord. I pray you'll bring out the true meaning from this passage, Lord. The thing that you wanted us to know from this, Lord. I pray you'll open our hearts and just speak to us directly, Lord. Help us to apply this to our lives, Lord. And Lord, we want to glorify you in all things this morning. Amen. Great. I'm glad Raj brought some water there, thank you. Okay. Today, in true Christian speaker fashion, all right, I'm going to have a three-point sermon. <laughs> That's good for you guys, because it helps you to keep up with what I'm doing, all right? It helps you guys to keep up, because I have this tendency to go off on a tangent and talk about something else. Like, I might be talking about Liverpool beating Arsenal 5-1 yesterday in a minute, but... <laughs> get it in there, okay. So it helps you guys keep up. Not only that, it helps uh, you to know when I'm nearly done, so you can be getting your Sunday dinner ready, you can start tasting it in your mouth, can't you? Okay? <laughs> so my points this morning are this. Number one, we know we are unclean. Number two, we try to clean ourselves. And number three, Jesus is the one who cleans us. So, to start, let's unpack the view of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, all right, the Pharisees were Jewish people. They were very educated Jewish people as well. They lived, they lived and loved the Jewish law. They knew all about the Jewish religion. And, uh, and they, you know, they knew all about the law and what the law meant for their lives. See, for them, they thought that without the Jewish law, they couldn't come face to face with God. Because the Jewish people believed that they were unclean. They were unclean, and God was pure and holy and clean. And as you know, clean and dirty could never meet. Just like if I have this lovely white T-shirt under here, and I put it in the wash with a uh, dark, mucky T-shirt, it's going to run, isn't it? And the, t- the white T-shirt's going to become contaminated. I only just learned this a couple of weeks ago. I was washing all my washes together until, uh, until Haley was like, well, what are you doing? Like, you need to be putting dark sunlight separately. <laughs> But the Pharisees, right, the Pharisees were committed Jews. You know, they knew all about the Jewish faith, as I've said. They definitely, definitely loved God. But they feared God more than they loved him. And you know what? Fearing God is extremely important. It talks about it in the Psalms. It says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So yes, Fearing God is so important. But the problem of the Jews, the Pharisees, was this. The foundation of their religion, of their faith, was built on fear before love. You've got to love God first. Yes, fear him. Fear God, that's important. You know what? The Lord is all-knowing and he's strong and he's mighty. But if your actions and, and you serving, if that comes out of fear before love, you start to get stuck in a religious way. Love comes before fear. Like, let me give you an example from one of my favourite films in the world, right? So, this is a film called Matilda. If you haven't seen Matilda, shame on you. You go straight home from church and you watch Matilda, right? But, 
In Matilda, there's a school, all right? And this school is run by Miss Trenchbull. Oh, look at her. She is a beast. Miss Trenchbull, she runs the school on fear, all right? The children are so scared of her. The children can never please Miss Trenchbull. All of their actions fall short of pleasing Miss Trenchbull because they've got so much fear for her. She runs the school on fear. She picks kids up by their hair and throws them. That's how much fear is in that school. If you haven't seen the film, you're thinking, wow, this is a weird film. But, but unlike Miss Trenchbull, there's a class teacher, and the class teacher is called Miss Honey. She's lovely. Miss Honey's lovely. And Miss Honey, she runs her class on love. She loves the children. She's got colourful paintings on the wall, and, and the children love her, and she loves them. And because of that, she has a great relationship with the children. The children are able to learn from her. Yes, they respect her because she's a teacher. In some ways, I guess they do have some fear for her. But first and foremost, she's got love for them, and the relationship is built on love. This morning, I want to challenge you. Is your relationship with God built on a foundation of love or a foundation of fear? Is love the reason you serve God, or is fear the reason you serve God? So, the Jews, yet the Pharisees thought they were unclean. And that's the same today, isn't it? We still, today, think we're unclean. We still know we're unclean. Uncleanliness just looks a little bit different today, doesn't it? Let me give you an example of something that could make us feel unclean. Guilt. Guilt is something that can make us feel unclean. If you've got guilt in your heart, that is something which can make you feel like you're separate from God. That's something which puts up a block between you and God. And guilt is something which affects the church massively. So there'll be people in the church and they'll be like, do you know what, I can't come and serve in church because I'm guilty for the things I've done. Do you know what, I can't be part of this church because I'm still doing things which I'm guilty for. I'm an unclean person because of the things I do and the way I live my life. And sadly, you know, churches are full of guilt. People fail in to step up because they feel guilty for things. How many of you ever felt guilty before? Yeah, me too. And do you know what? Feelings of being unclean could be a number of other things as well. You could come and you could say, do you know what? I'm not living as pure a life as others in the church. Do you know what? I'm not performing well enough. You could say, my life outside of church doesn't match up to my life on a Sunday morning. You could say, do you know what, I don't live how I'm expected to. I don't give enough in church. I'm not up to the mark. I'm rubbish compared to others. That's how people feel. That's how some people feel. They'll say, do you know what, I'm lacking experience. I'm new to this Christian thing. I can't be in the same league as you guys in church because I'm just new to this Christian thing. I can't come close to God because I'm just new at this Christian thing and and, and I don't know what I'm doing. Other people leave getting close to God to the others because they know what they're doing, but me, I can't because I'm a new Christian. Those are feelings that we have. I've had them before. A lot of them have them. And if you've come today with any of these feelings, these destructive feelings, then today's talk is definitely for you. Definitely. And do you know what? Feeling unclean in church, that can lead to people letting church life pass them by. And that is not what God wants. I want to challenge you today, Jubilee. What is your calling? What is God calling you to do? Where should you be serving? If you're not serving, where should you be serving? 
See, a lot of you might be called to be serving in a church. You might be called to be in a welcome team, for example. And the welcome team do a great job. So I love your little orange things. Great. The, the welcome team do a great job. And you might feel, all right, you might feel called to be in a welcome team. But you say this. You say, no, I can't. Because there's people in the church who are a more righteous face to say good morning to people. You might say, I can't stand on that door and welcome people in the morning because I'm not holy enough. I'm not worthy enough. And what that does is, that holds you back, doesn't it? That stops you from, from following the calling that God's got for you. Not only that, what if some of you guys were passionate about youth work? What if you guys are passionate about the youth, but you feel, you know what, I can't serve on a youth work team because I'm not a good enough example for the youth? That's what you might feel like. That might stop you from serving because you feel I'm not a good enough example. Those youth can't learn from me because I'm not a good example. Well, do you know what? That's wrong. Okay? Don't feel unclean. The youth can learn from you. Just be a good example for them. So, you know, we've got an amazing bunch of youth in the church. Like, I've got a pleasure of working with them, and they are great. They're all blushing now, but they're all great. Um, so, you know what? Be an example. You know, look at your calling for God. Your calling might be to youth work. Your calling might be to the welcome team. Don't let feelings of being unclean stop you from reaching the calling that God has for your life. Let me give you an example for my life, all right? So, for a lot of last year... I felt called by God to work with, uh, with homeless people and, and drug addicts in, in community. Now, as part of my work, my paid job, I do a bit of work with people with drug and alcohol abuse. But God really spoke to me clearly and he said, you need to get out of the office and you need to get out of your nine to five and you need to do it. You need to serve these people in a way that doesn't involve boundaries that, that paid work brings. He said, you need to get out and be amongst these people. And this is something I really struggled with because I thought to myself... I can't be an example to drug addicts and, and to homeless people. You know, what do I know about being homeless? You know, what do I know about drugs? I can't be an example. Uh, these guys can't learn from me. And uh, a friend of mine runs a soup kitchen in Middlesbrough. And she came up to me and she said, Oh, Gav, you know, why don't you come and help out on Sunday night? And I was like, no way. Like, imagine, like, this, this skinny boy turning up to be with all these drug addicts, like trying to be a light to Jesus to them. Do you know what? They would put my light out straight away. Like, there would be no me being a light to these people. I said no. The next week, she come back. Gav, why don't you come? No way. The next week. Gav, why don't you come? No way. This went on for months. Eventually I thought, do you know what, God? You must really be prompting me to do this. I'll go along. And I went along to this group, uh, to this soup kitchen, and I've had some great conversations with people there. Now, let me tell you, over the last few months I've, I've spoken to some uh, some drug addicts and homeless people and I've had the privilege of being able to share gospel with them. And not only that, I've been able to help set up a new soup kitchen in Darlington, which is great. And, uh, and just this week, actually, uh, at my soup kitchen, this shows how amazing God is, uh, this man, I was just serving some stew to people, all right? And this bloke comes up to me and he walks up like this and he says, you! And I was like, me? <laughs> He's like, you lot! I was like, okay, that's all right. He's like, you lot! Are you Christians? Are you Christians? And I was like, yeah, we're Christians. You know, we're all from local churches, we're Christians. And he said, well, I don't want your stew. I don't want you, you because you're going to be shoving Bibles down my throat. That's what he said. You're going to be shoving Bibles down my throat. I said, listen, mate, the only thing I'm going to be shoving down your throat is hot, tasty stew. And uh, there's going to be no Bibles. And uh, I said, we're here to love you, not to convert you with Bible-throwing techniques. I love it. God works in amazing ways. Let me ask you a question, Jubilee. Who are you avoiding? See, we get scared that 
going into places where unclean people are. We get scared because we're going to get contaminated. We get scared that our Christian life is going to get contaminated because we're going to start serving with people who are unclean. Well, let me challenge you today. Who are you avoiding? Who has God been t- telling you to go and work with? Or t- what areas has God been telling you to go and serve? Who are you avoiding? So, so far in point one, we've learned. We've learned something. We've learned that we all have feelings of being unclean. Deep down somewhere, we've got feelings of being unclean. And we've also looked at uh, what areas of your life you're missing out on and what areas of church life you're missing out on because of feeling unclean. Let's move on to point two. We try to clean ourselves. You see, the Pharisees, knowing, just like we do today, knowing they were unclean, tried their best to still get close to God. They knew that they were unclean, but they still tried to get close to God. And the way they did this was through the Jewish law. Well, sort of anyway. So, you know, the Jewish law was put in place by God, and it was very simple. It was, follow these rules, follow these commandments, and you can come close to God. You can come and be in my presence. The problem for the Pharisees was this. They knew they could never live up to that law. Just like us, we could never live up to God's law. We knew we could, they knew they could never live up to God's law and God's rules. So because of fear, remember fear? Because of fear of breaking God's rules, they put new rules in place to help them. They put like extra added rules in place to stop them from breaking God's law. And what that's called playing it safe. Have we got any safe players here today? Like, I'm, I'm straight up, I'm a safe player. Like, and, you know, I think somewhere ingrained in each of us is this this want to play safe. You know, we don't want to break the rules, so we play safe. Like, let me tell you another quick... I love a story, by the way. If you ever hear me speak, you'll just have stories thrown at you. Let me tell you another story, okay? There's this road in Stockton, all right? And this road in Stockton is clearly a 30-mile-per-hour speed limit zone, all right? And I drive down that road often, okay? And every time I drive down this road, I have the same conversation with Hayley, all right? So she sat next to me in the car, and we're just driving along, and she'll say, Gavin! You notice there's a 30 mile an hour speed limit. And I'll be like, is it? Like, I must have forgotten since the last time you told me this morning. Like, come on. So she's like, well, well, you're speeding, go slower. I'm like, I'm not. I'm doing 29 miles per hour. Chill. She's like, go slower. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm doing, I'm doing 15. What more do you want? And she says, slower. I say, okay, I'm doing five miles per hour. And she sits back and folds her arms in the way an only woman can do. And she goes, that's when you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Playing it safe. I've been trying. Sheesh. Yeah, the wedding is off, guys. It's all right. <laughs> Playing it safe just in case we got, they get caught, we get caught. We've got this mentality. Play it safe. And that is what the Pharisees had. They put new laws in place just to be on the safe side. Remember, all of this done out of fear and done because they knew they were unclean. And don't forget, the law, religious attitude isn't just for religious people. The law can be trying to impress others. It can be trying to fit the moulds. It could be trying to do what others think is right. Trying to live in a box. Trying to please others. Trying to look good. All of these things can become your default attitudes. They can become your religion. All of these things. Do you know what? And don't hear what I'm not saying, all right? Following God is important. Obedience is important. But make sure it's love and not striving to be good that motivates you. Make sure everything you do for God is out of love. See, the Pharisees got so caught up in their tradition and their rules, as Jesus put it, they forgot the true meaning of God's law. 
They forgot, in effect, to love God. They got so caught up in trying to keep the rules right, they forgot to love God. And that's how you become religious. When what, you're, what will you do is done anything other than the love of God, you become religious. Let me ask you a question. I've asked you a few questions this morning, haven't I? Let me ask you another one, all right? What is your motivation? What motivates you? Like students, you know, what motivates you? Why do you go to university? Is it to get a degree, to get a good job, to earn loads of money, to look great? Or is it to go to a university, to get a degree and have a fantastic job which God can get the glory for? Is it to go out into your university places and to give God glory? Or guys who work, it's, what's your motivation to work? Do you work to earn money to get a promotion to be the best you can be? Or do you work to be the best that God wants you to be? Do you work to give God the glory? What motivates you? Is it self-righteousness, making yourself right? Or is it glory back to God's? What motivates you this morning? You know, all things we do in life shouldn't be to make us look good or to make us look clean. Or, you know, it should be to give God glory. Everything we do should be to shine for him and to be salt and light in places we are. To be salt and light in your schools, to be salt and light in your, uh, in your universities, in your workplaces. That is what we should be striving to do, all because of God's love. You should be working to give God glory, not to clean ourselves. Okay, back to the passage. The passage wasn't about being clean. It wasn't about washing your hands that's what, that's what the, the Pharisees were questioning Jesus about. But don't, don't, let, don't think that. It wasn't about having clean hands. They knew that having clean hands was important. Hygiene. We still wash our hands now, don't we? It wasn't about having clean hands. It was about religion. It was about the Pharisees putting police tape up to stop anyone from going anywhere near breaking the law. It was these extra rules that they put in. It wasn't about washing your hands. It was about religion. See, the problem is that even with the extra rules that the Pharisees put in, even with the police tape, even with all these extra added laws, the, the Jewish people, the Pharisees, still fell short of God's glory. It still, it still wasn't enough. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Do you know what? All of our efforts, all of our attempts to try and make ourselves look clean, none of that is enough. Everything we do, we try and stay away from gossip, you know, we try and not look wantfully at our neighbour's possessions. You know, we even try to eat foods which are perceived to be blessed, that some religions do. All of those things shall fall, of God's glo- shall fall short of God's glory. Why? Because what did Jesus say? It's what comes out of a person which is important. See, that's a very profound statement. People don't like it. See, we like blaming other people. You know, my life's so bad because I've had a terrible childhood. You know, my schooling was bad. I grew up in a bad estate. My parents were distant. All those things are important. Yes, don't get me wrong. But what Jesus was saying is, it's what comes inside you. We're all unclean. What comes inside us is unclean. And the only way to become clean is to get a brand new heart from Jesus, to be born again. You know, all of the cleansing in the world won't make good things come out of you. All of your good acts, all of your religion, all of your hand washing, none of that is going to make good things come out of you because... None of these things can make you look clean in God's eyes. We know that, don't we? So, let's recap again. We've looked at feeling unclean. Hopefully I've challenged some of you guys to look at what aspects of church life you're missing out on. And we've looked at how we try and clean ourselves. We've talked about what motivates us. We've talked about the fact that our life alone isn't enough to become clean in God's eyes. Now, if you aren't a Christian here today, if you're sitting there, you've never been to church before, it looks pretty bleak now. 
don't worry, there's a happy ending. All right? don't, be, don't be thinking, oh no, my life's over. There's a happy ending. We're going to look at point three, what will work. See, we're unable to get clean in our own strength. We talked about that. No matter what we do, we still feel unclean. It still holds us back from God. Well, what's the answer? Well, to understand the answer to this question, we really need to look at how shocking this confrontation would have been in the Bible. This confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees in this passage, we need to look at how shocking that was. You see, the Pharisees had spent years living in fear, following these rules. They knew all about the law. They tried to get themselves clean. This law, this tradition, was ingrained into their beings. Their whole life was about this tradition. So imagine how it felt when Jesus comes in and says, your, your tradition is not important. Your religion is not important. Imagine how shocking that was. Something you've lived your whole life striving for. Imagine if Jesus comes in and just says, that is not important. That will not do. That will not get you clean. Imagine how the Pharisees felt. I bet they were shocked. I bet they were thinking, wow, who is this guy? See, Jesus comes in and he says, no matter what you do, no matter how much you strive, no matter how much you follow your religion, you're not going to get close to God. And that's just felt awful. See, Jesus shot down the tradition they so dearly loved. The one thing they held on to, Jesus shot it down. And today, I'm going to be just as controversial as Jesus. See, if any of us are going to get clean today and get rid of the feelings of being unclean, we need to get rid of religious attitudes need to get rid of religious attitudes out of the church. We need to break free from the idea that I've got to do a million and one things to live up to God's, to, to God's law to become clean. We've got to get out of the attitude that says I need to read my Bible for an hour every morning. If I don't, then I'm not a Christian. We need to get out of the attitude that says I've got to raise my hands in worship and if I don't, then I'm not a Christian. Well, that's not true. It's not about tradition. It's not about religious attitude. It's about Jesus. It's about the love of God. It's about Jesus making you clean. See, if you get rid of your religious attitude and start living in God's grace, that's what you need to do. You need to start living in God's grace. Because our, our own striving is not enough, but Jesus dying is, Jesus coming to die for you is enough. And I think that is worth an amen, isn't it, eh? Come on. Jesus has done it. Jesus has given us a clean heart. Come on, let's give it up. Come on. Yes. This was massive. This was massive. Jesus come in and he blew tradition out of the water. He said, I am the only one that is enough. Forget about your tradition. Forget about your striving. Jesus is enough. This was massive. But why did Jesus do it? Jesus did it because he knew full well that no amount of law could ever bring people closer to God. That could only be done by him. Nothing us people can do can make us clean. We already learned that. The only way to be completely clean is to be born again. To be born again and get given a new, clean heart by God. To be completely changed from the inside out. See, you know, we're rotten from the inside out. Like an apple, like an apple core that's rotten from, from the core. That's like us. But Jesus comes and he makes us clean from the inside. He gives us a new heart. Do you know what? Jesus says it in the Bible. He says, the only way to the Father is through me. And that's still the case today. You know yes, yes, we're unclean on the inside. Yes, we're unable to reach God in our own strength. But Jesus, Jesus is enough. Jesus is your path to reaching God. Jesus is a thing that washes you clean. Remember that, it's all about Jesus. Jesus washes us clean with his grace. 
Jesus died for us even though we were unclean, didn't he? It says it in Romans 5.8. It says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was all part of God's amazing plan. He knew our actions were never enough. So in this amazing act of love and grace, he sent his son to make a way for him to make us clean. God's done it. You don't need to strive anymore. You know, Jesus demonstrated it in the Bible. So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. See, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God himself washed disciples' feet. The dirty feet of these disciples, and I bet their feet were minging, like they didn't really wear shoes back then. Jesus washed disciples' feet. Do you know what? He got down on his knees and washed their feet. Why? Because he was saying, I'm taking the dirt from you. And that's the way it is. He takes the dirt from us. He makes us clean. We as people were made clean because Jesus was made dirty. Jesus took all the dirt from us when he was beaten and he was spat at and he was mocked and he was ripped, his clothes were ripped off him. You know, he took our dirt from us then when he was made dirty by those guys, by the, by the people who crucified him. You're made clean because Jesus was made dirty. He took the punishment for you. Do you know what? It's finished. You no longer have to worry about being unclean. That's what I want to get across this morning. Don't worry about not living up to the religious lifestyle. You don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about saying I'm unworthy to come before God's. Because Jesus comes and he washes us white as snow. Do you know, it doesn't matter what others think of you. Don't have the attitude of, of wanting praise from others. It doesn't matter what people think of you. Let me tell you something now. If, um, if the creator of the universe, if God says you're righteous, clean and adorable, all right? if the king of the universe says you're righteous, clean and adorable, you, Jubilee, better start believing that you are righteous, clean and adorable, yeah? You're righteous and you're clean and you're adorable, all right? You're no longer living in sin once you come to know Jesus. You're no longer unclean. You are clean and righteous before God. Get in. (laughs) Believe, yeah? Believe what God's saying. Don't listen to people. Don't look for people to tell you they're clean because God tells you you're clean. You're clean. Come on. Let me ask you one last question. I've asked a lot of questions for me today. I'm going to ask you one last question. Julie, are you going to base your life on what you feel or what is real. Let me ask you again. You're going to base your life on what you feel or what is real. What I mean by this is, are you going to base your life with the feelings of uncleanness and guilt that we get? The human emotions, or are you going to base your life on the truth? What's real? And what's real is that God has died for you and you're clean in God's eyes. Do you know what? If we start believing the truth, more people start stepping out. If we start believing God's truth, more people start stepping out in church. More people start serving. More people start giving more. More people start going to unlovely places. Why? Because they want to give God the glory because he's cleaned them. So are you up for that today? Are you up for believing the truth about yourself? Do you dare to believe that God loves you so much that he would clean you? No, does the truth of God's grace, does that ring true in your ears? Do you understand how true it is that you're clean? Do you understand it? I want to leave you with one last passage, all right? Matthew 5.14 says this. It says, You are the light to the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That is what you guys are. Go out, Jubilee, and be salt and light in the world. Go out and shine your light to the world, because you are clean, you're made clean by God's grace. Let's pray. Yeah, Jesus, I pray this morning. I pray this morning, Lord, you continue to speak to us as a church, lads. I pray that you'll just 
continue to speak to us about what it means to be made truly clean by you. God, I thank you that you've washed us white as snow. Lord, I thank you that, that even though we're dirty people, even though we're unclean and we're living in sin, Lord, even though all of that's true, you've died for us and made us new. I thank you for that, Lord. And I pray this morning, Lord, you'll continue to speak to us about that, Lord. Help us to step out as a church. Help us to step out and, and serve and start living in your grace, Jesus. Yeah, Lord, I just thank you for your wonderful, wonderful gift of grace, Lord. Amen. Great. Thank you for listening.